All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2019 second remake of Black Christmas. Uh, This is following the 2006 one, which of course is kind of roughly based off the um, original back in the 70s, I believe 1974. Yeah, 74. Um, And if you don't know, um, the original Black Christmas does have a huge, huge place in horror history because it is considered the very first slasher ever made. Um, like Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th uh, both stated Black Christmas as an influence on those films as well. So this is, this, the original is the granddaddy of the genre on that front. It is it is the Wolfenstein 3D of the slasher genre, <laughs> if, you, if you get that reference. Um, but anyway, before we get into that, because we do have a lot to talk about this movie, Andrew, how the hell are you doing? I, I'm doing pretty good, man. I, uh, I, I saw that new Avatar movie that came out. Uh, oh yeah, how was that? It was three hours. Uh, it was that. <laughs> Did it feel like three hours? Uh, it felt like three. It, it was a movie where two hours in, uh, I was watching with a buddy of mine, uh, and I looked at my watch, and we were two hours into the movie, and I looked at him, and I'm like, what has happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, and, and you know, it was a lot of beautiful scenery, um, you know, like, like you know, very visually very impressive, but it's one mm-hmm. of those things where, like, at that two-hour mark, I was just like, wait, what? 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 What has happened in this movie? <laughs> um, and I think that seems to be the, a lot of the criticism coming out um, for it. So I'm glad it's not just me. Uh, but it was yeah. a movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hear. You know, it's kind of the same thing as the original in terms of visuals are beautiful. There, it's really, really pretty to look at. But the story, ooh, mm, mm, that's what I've yeah, heard yeah. thus far. I still haven't seen it yet. No. So. Well, you know, you, 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 I, I don't want to say you got to check it out, but I mean, the visual aspect is nice. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, you know, how, how you doing? Uh, doing okay, I guess. Uh, so remember how you were talking about you were redoing your bathroom and like you had to poop in the outhouse in your front lawn and shit like that, literally. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, no pun intended there. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically what happened is a few weeks ago, very, very disappointing news. They announced that uh, they are no longer offering Google Fiber at my apartment complex, which as someone who has basically been following Fiber since the decade, over a decade, they've been announced. Uh, that was a huge, huge disappointment for me because it was just like, yes, finally, I moved into this new apartment complex last year and finally, Finally, it's like a childhood dream, or not a childhood dream, but more of a college dream finally fulfilled for me. Um, And it's been great. And this new smaller business, who's also a fiber company, is taking them over. Um, I personally think they bought them out, basically, the complex, like they gave them a kickback or something like that to have exclusive rights. Um, so it sucks. Um, as I'm driving around, we can see you know them digging up the fiber lines around the apartment complex, that sort of thing. Uh, but two days ago, uh, Friday afternoon, they uh, one of the contractors, they were digging, and they accidentally uh, split open one of the water pipes to the entire complex. Um, Ooh. So the entire complex was without water for about 48 hours, um, and it was an absolute mess. Like, um, just, you know, sponge baths. We had to go to, you know, the local grocery store and get, like, gallons to flush our toilets and stuff like that. I mean, thankfully, it was only 48 hours, but we're not out of the woods just yet. The water did turn back on at about 12.30 last night, and it woke me up because I heard, like, the toilet being filled, and I'm like, yes, and... 
I was I was so excited. I felt so gross just because like not you know obviously a sponge bath is not as good as taking an actual shower and stuff like that. Um, and then of course I worked out Saturday too, so it was just like feeling doubly gross. Um, but unfortunately, the uh, management office emailed us and said, you know, hey, so we're going to have to do some additional repairs tomorrow and we're going to shut the water off tomorrow afternoon. But at the very least, we can temporarily turn it on today. And I'm just like, fuck. So we're trying to cram everything in, in terms of like laundry, dishes, uh, filling up containers, that sort of thing. So we don't have to pay for water. And it's just it's. It's a whole mess. It's an absolute cluster um, on that front. And the best part is, like, the I, I, I can see the water main they're working on from one of our bedroom windows. And um, it, it's just, like, there's, like, four different plumbers down there that are all capitalizing oh the situation, trying to figure it out. So I'm assuming, like, they, they hired one company and one company was just like, yeah, we're winning way over our head. Or they just didn't know what the hell they were doing. Um, and they kept hiring more people. So... It was, it was, it was, it was interesting. So, so you're saying you don't like sponge baths is what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, no, I don't like sponge baths. Um, that is not something I was definitively sure of until I actually was forced to. And, uh, yeah, not a fan. No, see, like, I, 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 I guess I, I had to like washcloth down in our, in our, ba- in our basement at the time, but I was, I was kind of a fan of it. You know, I thought it's, it's like, I feel like it's, you know, it's like that. You know, the pleasure of, like, cleaning, like, like a, a floor. You know, you kind of see your work as you clean, and you're like, oh, look at that. It's methodical. <laughs> and then, like, but it's your body. You're like, oh, look at that. Do the arm first, the leg, you know. I, I, you know, I, I, I found, a, I found a, a solace in it, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll miss that element when I, when I go back, when my shower starts working again. Uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, I'm a morning shower person. I, I like going into the shower first thing in the morning and just like slowly waking up as just like everything kicks in and my day starts. So that's that's me at the very least. Uh, oh. Yeah. oh, that was an episode of Permanent Screw Heads Talk Sponge Baths. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. There we go. We'll do the dedicated episode on that one. Um, otherwise, yeah, things have been great. You guys do anything fun for like Christmas or, uh, or the holiday? Gift exchange, crafts talking crafts holiday movies yeah yeah that's sort of thing i don't know it's my mom's kind of thing at that front um last year we made last year we did ornaments and like she got me a couple shirts for christmas and it was like this very thin glass ornament and we flew on in and you know the second she brought it out i was just like mom are we taking these back home and she's like oh yeah absolutely and i'm just like you know those are gonna explode in my suitcase right like there's there's no way i can pack this that is going to uh be fragile enough because it was a very thin layer of glass you know christmas ornaments and she's like oh Mm -hmm. yeah no no it'll be fine it'll be fine we'll just wrap it carefully and it, it didn't even get to the airport like literally as i was packing it broke so um yeah that was fun so it got all over those new shirts she bought me and i was just like you know what that's kind of that's that's ironic that's 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 poetic in a way i mean that's that's kind of sad i i I, now i just question your ability to wrap things i mean put it in a box put a shell around that box you know get an old old iphone case you know those boxes everyone keeps for no reason it was literally like more fragile than an egg. Like try and stick an individual egg with no carton, no container, nothing like that inside a suitcase with clothes and toiletries and everything like that. I don't know. I don't know. But it was it was that. So I'm hoping we don't do anything like that again. But we shall see. Okay. All right. Well, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm still uh, I, I still feel like you know you wanted to break the ornament. I'm just saying if, if you really try hard, <laughs> but you know yeah you know not not you know nothing nothing else. <laughs> I will say I will say and this might be a scandal, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. So that's what that's when you're gonna get cut wearing that shirt one day, and that will be your that will be your comeuppance. Yep. There'll be a little shard of glass in there. 
waiting for revenge. No, I don't know. It's been a year. I think I'm good, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, But anyway, uh, you want to get into the movie? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, So this was your suggestion. So uh, why don't you go ahead and start off talking about uh, why you chose this movie, and we'll get into it this a little bit. Yeah, no, so I um, I want to watch. I chose this movie because I love the original. I, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's it's definitely like a, a kind of a proto slasher. It was one of the first ones to ever really kind of put that formula all together. There were definitely movies with different elements of it in the past, um, but I always found the first one really haunting and really effective. Um, and I found you know there, there are there's some you know there's there's an abortion subplot going on. There's mm-hmm. these these uh, characters who are kind of like developed through um, I don't know. Uh, very kind of minimal interaction, which I think is great. I think they did, they did, the characterization was great, and you really wanted the, the characters to live. And, like, the killer in that movie, never see him. Uh, and I, I always just remember, every time I watch that movie, at the end, I'm just creeped the hell out. And I, I love it. I think it's a great movie. Um, and um, I actually, over time, learned to appreciate the sequel as well. Um, and so, you know, I was excited for this one. I never had the chance to see it. Um, when, it when they first announced it, I was really pumped for it. Um, and then I just, I think it came out and I just like, didn't have time to go to the movies. Um, maybe it just came out like, kind of COVID times, didn't it? Um, so I just, I just never had the chance to see it, but I was, I was pumped for it. Um, and it came out and then I missed the theater run, but then I just heard really bad things about it. Um, so I never had the chance to see it. Uh, so that, that's how I wanted to watch it. Um, actually one of my friends watched it uh, before I got the chance and she did, didn't love it. Um, but <laughs> you know, I was, I was excited for it. Um, you know, I, so, you know, I'd always, I think I wanted to do it last year for Christmas cause I was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And then I think we, I forget what we did. Um, but yeah, so that, that you know that's that's why I I just really like it. Uh, I really like the original, and I thought you know, let's, let's give it a try. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I, what was your what's your experience with the previous movies? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Like Black Christmas was definitely one of those movies where, as I started getting into horror movies, I mean, you know, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth are definitely a lot more famous than Black Christmas. But as I learned more about slashers throughout high school and middle school and that sort of thing, I started learning more about it. Um, yeah, I I love the original as well. I think it was very ahead of its time. I think it's a very well done movie and it still very, very much holds up. Uh, the 2006 remake, I remember, I do remember seeing, I honestly don't recall much about it, but I remember <gasps> I didn't hate it. Um, it was just like, yeah, this, this, is, this isn't bad. It's not great, but it's not bad either. Um, so it's one of those movies I kind of want to revisit because uh, when we were talking about it, I wasn't sure if you wanted to um, do this one or the um, additional one as well. But yeah, that mm. was that. The first 2006 remake, I actually think, honestly, has become like a pretty good movie. Um, I, I think when I first watched it, I really disliked it because it was so much more gory and kind of like turned the dials up to 10 from like the very subtle, uh, you know, action of the first one. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like it is like a solid 2000s like slasher movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, maybe time with this one will age as well. Um, but I think it was one of those movies that when it came out, a lot of people like myself were very much like, you know, fuck this movie. Like, this is not the subtlety. <laughs> this is not the this is not the creepiness of the first one but then you kind of look back at it now and you're like oh you know that was back during like a lot of these horror remakes that are coming out and they were kind of about turning the gore up more and it was a lot more kind of brutal and dark and like i think there's a place for that um so you know i feel like that and especially after kind of watching this movie it kind of made me appreciate it a little bit more when did the original saw come out because that was yeah 2004 so this would have been the height of like a lot of torture porn sort of thing um in terms of that era in terms of the 2006 era so yeah, and this was like when the Halloween remake was coming out. Or sorry, yeah. the first Halloween remake was coming out. This is when like uh, the Rob Zombie one. Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this is when all those kind of like a little bit more brutal at times movies were were appearing. So I think it, it made sense that they did what they did um, w- with that. Um, and, and you know, I think in, in the end, the first the the first remake is very similar to the, to the first 
to the original film. It's, it, you know, the characters are obviously new, which I like. I kind of like. I like that they, they didn't just, you know, make all the characters the same characters. Um, but it was the same basic plot line. They updated the killer a little bit, gave him a little more backstory, which seems to be the trend at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, man, my watch just hit my desk. So anybody heard that? Uh, <laughs> uh, I did know, not, they, but now I did. Thanks for drawing attention to uh, it. It was very loud uh, in my ears, but um, you know, I think that it, it did that thing that was popular at the time of making more gore, exploring the backgrounds of these characters a little bit more. Um, and, and you know, in a weird way, they they made Billy a, a, a jaundiced character who had an incest baby, who also, uh, you know, happens to be present in the film. Uh, which you know, it's a weird choice, but at the same time, like, but in the end, I think the movie kind of worked to a degree, or at least you know, it was an effective two thousands horror movie that was <laughs> which I, I don't know if that's a great if a great thing to say but you know it, it was what it was um but yeah so that, that's you know that's why i'm excited for this one and then the other thing too that i kind of want to talk about before we actually start talking about this movie um is we do want to kind of give us some shout outs to some other you know podcasts out there as well or critics out there as well because i i think no spoilers on this front it's pretty obvious both of us did not like this movie um, but we do want to kind of draw attention to the fact that we're two cis white males. We are both feminists. Um, but this is a very, 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 very feminist film. So if you are interested in hearing this movie from a different perspective, uh, from a female perspective, because this is a very, very female centric movie. Uh, what was the podcast you recommended? The Final Girls podcast? Oh, yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I did. I did some research because I wanted to get some other, you know, some different views in my own on, on the film because it was it was very politically charged. I want to make sure that I wasn't you know, speaking on my ass, essentially. Um, yeah, taking so yeah, other to, um, opinions into account, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, so I went and tried to find different reviews um, by, by female-led productions. So um, one of them was The Final Girls, um, which is uh, a podcast. There was one called um, Want to Watch a Scary Movie that I that I listened to parts of. Um, I can't. I watched a couple of YouTube videos, too. I can't remember their names. I'm sorry. Um, we'll post but, it yeah. when we do social media stuff. So we'll, we'll post a yeah. whole list when we post it to Facebook and Instagram. I'll try to track them down. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because like like Dan said, this when this movie came out, there was a lot of um, political. I don't even want to say political. There, there was a lot of backlash that came out with this movie, mm-hmm. and I think part of it too um, was I think justifiable in the sense that I think that there were a lot of people who really liked the original, um, who kind of like with the Ghostbusters thing, where there were people who I think had some legitimate criticisms about the story and about what was going on, but there were also a lot of people who were just fucking assholes and were just like, oh, you know, they're 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 making it woke, and I. <laughs> it's it's such a like, you know it's that point where the people use the term woke like it's like a negative statement and it's it's just like no it's fucking it's a modern updated version like come on guys like yeah. it's you know it's it's uh and i think that that a lot of that kind of shit talking came out from this and i think that you know naturally then a lot of people push back like no fuck you and mm-hmm. uh you know like fuck you and like you know i think that it made this movie at, at you know in the community a little bit divisive at times in terms of like people's opinions on it framed around the politics that are that it encompassed um and yeah, so for for that reason, you know, I want to look into different views uh, on it, uh, and you know, just get a little bit of you know other people's opinions to make sure that wasn't thing I was missing. And you know, again, as Dan mentioned, you know, we're, we're we're two white guy two white guys who like you know probably don't understand some of the politics and some of the subtleties that's being put into this. Um, mm-hmm. So we're gonna have some criticism that maybe somebody else might pick up on that we you know missed. Uh, so that that's definitely gonna be in there. Um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously, we were trying our best to understand from other perspectives as well. But, you know, we have been doing this podcast for the past four years. So if you're interested in hearing an opinion 
fantastic. If you're not, that's totally fine, too. You can listen to one of our many other episodes. But we do want to do our best to kind of use our powers for good on this front and kind of draw attention to, you know, whatever um, the, the, the issues that this movie is pushing forward. Because I do think there are very good intentions. I, I have nothing against this movie in terms of a horror movie promoting feminism. Um, I, I do want to have a part of a larger discussion in terms of I personally consider horror movies to be the most feminist horror uh, genre out there, uh, movie genre. Um, but, uh, as we continue to go on through, we just want to make sure that we're being respectful on that front. So please let us know. We're always striving to do better on that front. Anyway, ready to get on to the movie? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, actually, before we do that, let's, let's kind of segue on into just feminism and horror in general, because that was kind of what mine, my mind kind of rented. Like after I saw this movie, I kind of sat to myself because one of the biggest things. Um, so this movie was uh, directed by Sophia Tikal, who hasn't done too much. She's done some acting credits um, like she was uh, in one of the segments in the original VHS, uh, although she has mm-hmm. done several other movies as well. Like she's directed a few episodes of Gossip Girl. Um she directed Into the Dark, Always Shine, Green, and then Black Christmas. I haven't seen any of the other ones. I can't tell anything about that. Um, yeah, so I really don't know too much about her on that front. Uh, but this was, you know, female directed, female written um, on that front, which is kind of odd to me or shocking to me because I, I think both you and I kind of came up with the same conclusion is this movie feels very, very similar to like a whole bunch of white old men in suits, you know, kind of by committee designing, oh, what are the kids in 2019 into? Well, the Me Too movement is really, really trending and making traction. Can we make a movie about that? Like, I I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I felt as the dialogue came across. Uh, But one thing that I do want to draw attention to as well is apparently this was a very, very very quickly written and produced movie. Mm -hmm. Um, The production schedule from pre-production to post-production was about five months, which is absolutely insane. Um, So obviously there were a lot of difficulties uh, during production and that sort of thing too. And I think a lot of the ham-fistedness probably stems from that. But at the same time too, I just, I don't feel it, it, I feel it really, really missed the mark in terms of what they were attempting to do. And based on public perception of this movie, I don't think I'm alone on that front. Um, this movie reviewed very poorly. It said uh, the box office was awful. Like, really, the, the the positive criticism of this movie is few and far between. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess long-winded going back on that front, just feminism and horror movies. Um, like I said before, horror movies, I think, are one of the most, if not the most, you know, feminist genre out there. Just the whole final girl trope, even from the very beginnings of like the slashers of the 60s and 70s and that sort of thing. It was always female-led protagonists, a lot of badass characters like, you know, um, Ellen Ripley, obviously, badass character, uh, Laurie Strode, who we have issues, you know, as the movies continue on that front, but she was an icon for the longest time. Um, oh, God, got Nancy from Night Mare on Elm Street. Um, I can't think of the actress's name instead. Like, there, there's a lot of really positive female role models within horror movies, and there's been a long, long dedicated history to it. So, in interviews with the director um, that I was researching on this round, when she was saying, like, you know, she wants to incorporate, um, you know, more feminism into the horror genre and stuff like that, I, I, I feel it was a little bit tone deaf in terms of she was missing a lot of the history behind it as well. In terms of, yeah, I mean, that I feel the genre is very feminist already, personally. I mean, obviously, there are problems lying around, um, like any, you know, Hollywood industry on that front. But... That, that that was my opinion, at least. What do you think in terms of, like, feminism in the horror genre? 
Yeah, no, like, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I do. I've always felt like it was, you know, I think, like, like you mentioned, the, the trope of the final girl is, is, uh, you know, really present in, especially in slashers. Um, and it is interesting because part of that, um, the Carol Clover's book, where that, where that concept was brought up, was the idea that the, the woman has to basically become a man during that time, and then kind of revert back to the female at the end of, at the end of the. Uh, uh, the episode, you know, whatever's going on in the story. So in terms of, like, whether or not that's feminist at times is kind of interesting um, because I feel like, you know, again, she's saying that they have to adopt the male persona or they have to adopt a male, like, role. Um, but I think, like, because you were kind of mentioning, like, um, you know, with some of the older slashers, I think that actually we've, we've done a better job recently with, with our kind of horror movies because a lot of those, like, Friday the 13th movies, um, like, Alice in Friday the 13th is incidentally a survivor. Uh, you know, like, I feel like a lot of these characters, these final girls kind of happen to be the final girl at the end, and they just kind of happen to be the one who rallies at the end um, a lot of times. And, like, you know, you don't even quite know who the main character is, but I feel like a lot of these later slasher movies that we kind of got, and, like, and I, and I know that Nightmare on Elm Street isn't a later one, but I feel like Nancy is very much a active role in her survival and like you know she fucking makes traps against freddy she researches him she figures that kind of stuff out and i feel like that kind of character has come forward a lot more lately i feel like it's it's those lower tier or those kind of schlock slasher movies where the final girls kind of exist at the end essentially yeah and just side note real quick talking about badass female leads mm-hmm. I, I i always want a chance to promote your next if you have not seen your next and yes. you want to see an example of that watch that movie it's fantastic anyway continue Oh, and actually, I'll, I'll talk about your next later because that—that's kind of what I thought the movie could have really used some of. Um, but I do think, like you know, now, like um, a lot of movies have kind of done a better job of making that uh, character, that you know, that that lead female character, be more of a active, you know, part of her survival. And I think that's been a really great kind of positive thing. And I'm like, I was thinking about, um, I think part of what the director was also talking about in terms of like. You know, the the a lot of these characters were written by, you know, again, probably white men uh, who created most of these um, kind of female-led or these final girls who exist in the end. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely understand her wanting to uh, kind of create that, but, you know, written by, you know, a, written by, from from one's perspective, you know, and directed by a, a woman, uh, which, you know, there, that has become more prominent nowadays. And I think, you know, because I can believe with the Babadook, Jennifer's Body, um uh, I was looking at this up. What's it? The Invitation? Actually, both Invitations. That new one that just came out, The Vampire, and the old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, old, like 2015, 2012, uh, which was great. Um, but I, so I, I think, like, as, a, as a, like, you know, in terms of horror movies, I think it's actually becoming a lot. I think they were actually doing a better job of writing these characters. Um, and, I don't, and I'm not sure if that, that's because, you know, we're hopefully getting more women writers and women directors pulled into these, as, or if that's, you know, we just realized that these characters who just survive at the end have a happenstance isn't really, like... You know, it, it's mm-hmm. not really a great thing. But but yeah, again, like I think that, you know, these movies were always about, you know, characters kind of overcoming issues in their lives. I think a lot of time, you know, initially I think that the, the woman surviving at the end was because, you know, there's some feeling that by making it a woman, it would be more, the audience would feel more sympathy for her because, you know, she's more at risk. And now we're starting mm-hmm. to crumb, create movies where, like, no, that's not the case. You know, the, these characters are stronger, uh, you know, are strong and they, you know, they, they do survive on their own uh wit on their own you know they, they create their survival and like you're saying like, you're next like that i think that's become like uh thankfully a more modern kind of thing where the character kind of turns the tables and it's like no like this this person you know it isn't just the final girl who survives but she is the uh you know the force to be reckoned with um and i think that that's a really positive thing i think that's what they're trying to do with this movie as well um just uh, maybe not as effectively as some <laughs> other films have yeah, I, I rambled there for a bit no no it's fine i think we both are rambling on this we, we both have a lot <laughs> to say on this front um 
Yeah, but um, I guess right now we can kind of talk about the movie a little bit in terms of the premise. Um, so yeah, the original Black Christmas uh, was, again, one, the, the original slasher, um, but it was set in a sorority house, basically, where a unknown man was slowly killing off these sorority girls one by one. Um, and that is basically as much as this movie shares with the original. The plot is completely different. Um, so this one is another slasher. And it stars, okay, oh oh, Riley was her name? Yeah, Riley. Yeah, Riley. Um, who is the main character and basically um, a series of men are attacking the fraternity and killing women off one by one. And then, of course, some men get caught in the crossfire as well. So it's a whole big killing spree across this entire college campus. But very Christmas time. Um, one of the biggest things, too, is just they, they, they constantly, not constantly, but it is a lot of just like hot button issues that are kind of linked to the plot as well. Um, for example, Riley was sexually assaulted and that is one of her defining character traits that they keep bringing up over and over and over again. Um, they talk about, you know, how the police don't believe or security don't believe her on that front. They talk about the whole college drinking culture and, you know, the, how the premise of sexual assault is well on there. And then they also deal with toxic masculinity in terms of the rival fraternity or not even, I don't know. And I'm, consider rival i mean i guess it is rival fraternity in this movie but the the fraternity who serves as the antagonist of this movie they they deal a lot in terms of toxic masculinity in terms of what it means to be a man and you know there's really no definition for that it's flexible based on what you think a man is um but it that there's a lot of stuff on that front in there um and there's a lot of just weird scenes as well that feel not like oh this is how normal people talk but more so either okay we need this line of dialogue to identify this character as being a woman going through women's things or being a man going through man's things um like the one i want to bring up which we both had in our notes i believe is the very very first scene um after the opening kill our main character riley wakes up her roommate rushes on in or on the sorority house and then says i have a final in 10 minutes and i'm missing my diva cup can i borrow yours which um, i have asked uh both my partner and many of my female friends is not a thing women do they do not share menstrual products if you are unaware uh, along with makeup and other stuff as well and uh, the look my partner gave me uh, told me everything in terms of how weird that scene was uh, but that sets the tone and that's kind of the level of dialogue throughout this entire movie uh back and forth it, it's Again, I think I asked you, you know, could you define any character traits for any of our four female leads that has nothing to do with being a woman or their past trauma that defines them? Like everything is either, you know, hey, look at this because she's a woman or hey, this trauma defines her. But beyond that, it, you know, who is Riley as a person? Who is Chris as a person? Um, was it Marty who had the boyfriend? Yes, Marty, yeah, Marty, yeah. Marty had, uh, yeah, I can't remember what he wanted his name was, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, literally, like, the only thing I can say to describe her is just like, oh, yeah, she's the sorority sister with a boyfriend. That That is her defining characteristic, and it, it's very one-dimensional, and I really wish that this movie pushed forward in terms of, you know, making these characters seem a lot more real and not just one-note characters to showcase the issue that the director is trying to push. Yeah, well, like, and I feel bad because, like, I've, I feel like like the strength of the first one or the, the original is I thought that these characters really kind of got developed and like even mm -hmm. though a lot of them were kind of 
tropey characters like you know like, it, it's it, it's unreasonable for them to, you know to think that we, they'd flush out everybody like that that makes sense but like even like, like barb barb in, in the first movie was the um how do you describe it she was the salacious one i guess i don't, I don't, know, I don't know what, what the mm-hmm. term is but she was the one who was like you know sex positive um yeah. you know kind of gave shit to people um dr- kind of was drunk most of the movie and stuff and like you know the one that like they, the other girls kind of took care of to a degree but then you kind of get subtlety to the fact that you know she was abandoned for christmas um you know pe- like you, you you get you get elements of her past through kind of little interactions that kind of show that she is you know going through something that uh you know but like she's going through something but she's also trying to protect her you know the, the other sisters in the sorority and like I, I feel like there are subtle elements that really kind of make barb a character and I just feel like in, you know, for somebody who is just kind of the drunk girl off to the side and even like moments of character interaction between her and the police and she's kind of fucking with them a little bit and trying to like help the others out. And like, you know, she picks up the phone when the killer first calls to be like, hey, fuck you, get the fuck out of here. Like she is very, um, you know, she again, she's multifaceted and like she's not just this thing. But I think like in this movie, a lot of the characters are these single elements. Um, and again, you know, I, I don't know, you know, again, I'm. I'm not the most familiar, but you know, I'm again, random guy. Don't know um, women's <laughs> interactions very much, so I don't want to, you know, I don't, I can't comment on that. But even like some of the podcasts I listen to, like they mentioned, they're like, yeah, the diva cup thing was weird. That was like, a, they're like, I wouldn't do that. That's kind of an awkward thing to ask. Like, but again, you know, some friendships were different. Some people borrow things differently. Some people share toothbrushes. Some people think that's gross. You know, like, I, I you know, that 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 can vary. But it it did feel like these characters were just kind of tropes. Like, like Chris's main thing is that she is an activist, and that's great. It's, we don't know anything else about her other than she's an activist. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it would have been great to see you know, what pushed her to be an activist. And I think Riley's character, uh, um, um, Imogene Poots, who I just learned her name was Imogene. I always thought it was Imogen. So I'm an idiot. Mm, uh, but really? Imogene. <laughs> I would have made the same mistake too, yeah. I always thought it was um, Imogen, but I've never, I never heard it said until I watched the interviews. Like, oh, Imogene, that's such a nice name. But anyway, um, like Riley's character, I think kind of, I think is okay because I think Riley's character is somebody who is suffering from trauma and as a result... Uh, is a little bit more quiet and i think chris even brings that up at one point where she's like you know you're just trying to disappear and then riley kind of snaps back at her and is like i'm i'm trying to survive and i think that's yeah. like that is really i think that actually i really like that about riley's character i think riley as somebody suffering from trauma is actually pretty well done but then we have other characters like um well can i can i pause there for a second about oh, yeah, riley's yeah. trauma yeah i i really like that too in terms of you know everyone processes trauma differently and there there are many many different ways to come out of a traumatic situation and there's no right or well i guess there are wrong ways in terms of like binge drinking or drugs or something like that but uh, yeah i like that about her i thought that was a great little character arc for her in terms of the setup itself um what really really stuck me ron was the ending where it felt very basically the movie pushes at the very end where she kind of realizes, oh, to, you know, survive this situation, I need to become a badass, which is absolutely fine. But it's it implies that the only way to kind of overcome your trauma on that aspect is to, uh, quote unquote, man up and fight the bastard. Um, and if you don't, then you're, you know, weak and you're, you know, letting it overcome you. And I that really did not sit well with me. It kind of made me feel like it was, you know, oh, why didn't, you know, this particular sexual assault victim, you know, speak up to the police or whether they didn't, you know, testify or run away or, you know, fight them back or something like that. It it, it felt very victim blaming as opposed to, um, 
you know, an actual process of trauma to better serve the story and to better develop her character. And that just, that sat very wrong with me. Um, and I do kind of want to give credit where credit is due. Um, like I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I did read a comment on Reddit and I was kind of paraphrasing there. But I think that was very, very concise in terms of what I felt about Riley's trauma on that front. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, it, like, yeah, I, I, I do think the, I think the ending is very rushed. I think that's honestly, I was, when I was trying to, I actually watched the movie again yesterday. <laughs> um, after, cause I watched Why? it once. <laughs> well, well, cause you know, after kind of getting some context and, you know, getting other people's opinions and kind of you know, reading up a little bit, I want to watch it again. Like I want to watch it once fresh and then watch it once kind of going in with the knowledge of it and what I'm expecting. And I will say for me, where it falls apart the most is that end scene. I think it's actually an okay movie up until then. Like it's not, you know, it's not, not bad right? not great I, but it's like you know it, it's an okay kind of okay slasher but then i think when the killer reveal happens everything kind of it seems like everything's rushed and i wonder if that again like we mentioned is part of the rush schedule in the sense yeah. that they needed to end it because i do feel like uh riley's actual actualization sorry i can't speak today at the end of the movie it was really weird because basically the, the way the film and i apologize we're spoiling we just went right into spoilers for this. yeah so let, let's pause for it right here i think both of us it's not a good movie. The public perception of this movie, I, I've heard very, very little good things about it. Um, it is, it, it it made me appreciate Printed on Sure Die a lot more. Because I think that movie was movie was fantastic in terms of its depiction of feminism. And the characters were a lot more multiplayer there. And then, of course, too, the, the, I think the GOATS, the greatest of all time, is Jennifer's Body. Which is, the, the more and more I think about that movie, the more and more I appreciate it. Um, in terms of what it did for this feminism in just movie and horror movies and everything like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of our perception on this one. So if you are interested in seeing it and you don't care to learn the spoilers, here's the time to jump on off. Thank you for listening. Anyway, spoilers go. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, with, um, so like, so at, at the end of, at the end of the scene when they, they, and we'll, we'll talk about the killers a little bit later, but basically they go to confront the killers at the end of this movie, um, and there's and Riley uh, earlier in the movie does see her 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 rapist come come is she sees him earlier in the film and she's kind of she you know she's traumatized she freezes a little bit she still kind of does a, accuses him of of the rape in front of everybody on stage which you know which is supposed to be a, her kind of you know doing, hitting back which is which is great um, but um, she you know she, it shows that Elmo was her and makes her feel uncomfortable um, and so for accusation at the end of this movie um, she he confronts her again and uh, you know it's in this situation where they're kind of fighting off these killers. Um, and he basically just jumps on her and she has flashbacks to the scene and we, we see shots of when he, um, drugs her and when he, uh, assaults her. Um, and she just, I think, I forget how she, how she takes him down, but it's, it's very much a, just kind of flip of the switch real quick. Um, and it, it, it feels like we, we get Riley traumatized and then we get Riley taking him down. Um, mm-hmm. and I just would have liked to see more development, um, from that and like see her kind of. I don't know, make that decision because I, I really like Riley's character in this, and I really like who she, like the the way that uh, Imogene Poots plays her. But it it felt like, and again, I think it's just a matter of editing and the rushing that it felt like her turn to badassery happened real quick, like it not happened yeah. real quick, happened in this one moment. And it make you know it makes sense that you know when you are faced by that thing which traumatized you, and you know that that that, that might be when you you know have to rise above it. And I, and I like that. It's fight or flight. Yeah. Felt like, mm-hmm. It just felt like it. It didn't feel. I guess I don't. I, I didn't feel as good for her character as I wanted it to. Like it didn't feel as triumphant. It felt like it was just kind of a thing she did, and she it was didn't feel earned, up. maybe too. Like like I, you know, I wouldn't say not earned. It just, it felt like, you know, I want it to be a bigger thing for her than it was in the movie, and mm. it 
I don't know. But at the same time, maybe that's maybe that's also, maybe that's intentional. Maybe it's the idea that, like, yeah, this guy fucked her up, but she's able to push him aside. And that, that's even better. Making it not making it a big thing that she pushes him aside is great. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, and again, I think that all comes from the end of this movie. I think this, the end of this movie is very rushed. And I, I don't know. I kind of, sorry, finish. I, I did want to kind of counter yeah. on that one. No, no, um, but that, yeah. that's all I got. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I, I really didn't like that either. And I don't think it was because it was rushed, although that definitely contributed to it. I just did, it, it felt very, wow, I'm cured. Thanks. Like, it, it's the whole, you know, have you tried not letting your trauma control you? Oh my God, why didn't I think of that? You're right. Bam. Like, there really wasn't an exciting incident besides the fact that she was face to face with a rapist again. And, you know, she chose the flight option instead of the flight option. But even then, too, like, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't something distracting him. Like, in the end of the scene, it's it's him, you know, on top of her, and they've got the upper arm strength basically trying to push back on each other. I think he's got a knife or something like that. And she just, like, has an overcome with emotion and overpowers him on that front. Um, yeah, I just, it, it, again, it felt very, wow, I'm cured. And again, it kind of ties back into what I was saying before in terms of, I just, it felt very... <sighs> everyone processes trauma differently and the way that works for you as long as it isn't self-destructive or harms someone else that is fine that is that is absolutely fine you know your way of processing trauma is different than the way i process trauma and that sort of thing and i just don't like that they push the message of yeah just you know get past it as best you can It, it it empowering is great but i i feel it was very tone deaf on that front. Um, can we also talk about the antagonist too? <laughs> yeah, let's see, let's, let's, let's do that. Cause yeah, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of like what, like, I feel like there's, it's hard to do this in an order because I feel like it's difficult. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a simple movie. It's it's a simple, it's a simple plot. So anyway, um, so basically the, our main antagonist. So we've got protagonist, which is Riley and her sorority sisters. And again, they're all very one note characters in terms of, you know, Riley's the one with the trauma. There's the sorority sister with the boyfriend. There's the sorority sister who's the pledge. There's the sorority sister who... Uh, is Jewish. There's the one who has lost her diva Wait, cup, apparently. Um, is that a thing? Yeah, the, 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 wasn't wasn't one of her roommates like Jewish or something? And that's why she was just like, oh yeah, I'm heading home early because of it. Oh, it, it, the one uh, with the glasses. Wasn't she Jewish? Jewish? Not one oh, of the main, it, it was it, not one of the main four. It was not one of the main four. It was it was one of the other ones. Oh, oh, the, okay. The, the, the girl who asked for the diva cup? Yeah, that's I think like, so. And, that, okay, that would make sense because I know she says... Because at one point she says, like, happy holidays, and she's like, no, happy Christmas, something like that. Yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Was, yeah. was that a commentary? I don't know. What that was. Okay, anyway. All right, <laughs> I keep going, sorry. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it was commentary. I think it was just something. Um, but anyway, uh, so... Guess what was that? So, yeah, those are our protagonists. Um, there's also the... Oh, gosh, what was his name? Landon? Landon, yeah, yeah. Uh, Landon is the only good male character in this entire movie. He's the awkward kind of nerdy frat boy who uh, develops a crush on Riley, and they kind of you know go on dates and that sort of thing too throughout the movie. Um, and then there's also the fraternity boys. Um, and the big twist at the end of this movie right here is um, these frat boys are basically possessed. Um, the founder of the college, Hawthorne College, um, was an incredible misogynist. They, he believed that women should be subservient to men and men should be all, quote unquote, alpha males and, you know, hunt and fuck and eat meat and shit like that. Um, 
But uh, but he like there's, there's some sort of spell from the bust or like there's some sort of black goo. Like it, it's very much hand waved. A wizard did it sort of thing. But um, whenever you're possessed by this curse or for lack of a better term, we'll call it, uh, then you are basically compelled to be a misogynistic and kill sorority girls because of it. Um and I didn't like that either because I, I I feel in horror movies it would be more interesting to kind of confront the nature of yeah sexual assault and misogynism is a huge problem in college campuses especially among fraternities and again I'm very much generalizing here based on statistics but it is a problem um, and it, it it felt like taking that onus away from the fraternity brothers in terms of, oh yeah, they were basically innocent all along. It was really this evil wizard that was doing it. Um, it, it felt very weird to me. Um, and then just one last character too, uh, Carrie Elves, um, you know, <laughs> Wesley, Princess Bride, Robin Benetites, um, gosh, you, you know, he's been in so much. Uh, he does his best at Kevin Sorbo as the professor from God's Not Dead impression in this movie, except instead of being a dick atheist, he's just a dick misogynist. Um, and he's kind of the leader of this fraternity and is kind of spearheading this whole keeping this curse alive sort of thing. So yeah, now you're all caught up. There are some minor characters along the way, but they're not important. Um, but yeah, that, that really didn't sit well with me in terms of it was all a curse all along. The frat boys aren't really responsible for their behavior. I felt that was very, it, it sort of sidestepped the whole, this is not a societal problem. This is kind of like magic. Ha ha ha. I, I, I personally didn't like that. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, and I think, I think like the, in order to make this, I think it's hard because this movie, like like you're saying, like the, the black goo is, is, uh, is a weird element to this movie, um, but like like you mentioned with Carrie Ells and the kind of the Hawthorne College, it's it's kind of turns up misogyny to a very high like, and it, it is institutional, it, you know, it really is, um, and so they're highlighting that, which is great. Um, but I think they they do it in such a way that like they like Carrie Ells opens the movie by, by uh, you know we see quotes by this Hawthorne fictional character, this fictional founder of this college, who is but yeah like like um, Dan was saying like is like you know uh, men have certain power and women try to take that power and you know if women get in the way of that power it can you know cause it'll be bad and you know men need to overcome that power and it's it's this really really dumb sounding shit and like and and like not to say that this this thing doesn't occur. Um, but I think what would have made this a little bit stronger in that regard is that if, like, I feel like there are probably in history real real figures who do exist and who we probably could have used as, like, as the historical backing instead of making up this Hawthorne character who had, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping these are, like, never existed because it's so fucking dumb and terrible sounding. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are historical figures who they could have actually used as the backing for this and not made up some crazy straw man character. Um because then it made, you know, to add some legitimacy to this, because I think, like, as you were saying, like, these things do happen. And to add, and to, like, and I think to make it in historical backing and have these characters not be brainwashed would have made the message stronger and made the, um, I don't know, the threat more real and kind of brought it back to our, our real life to a degree. Because, like you were saying, like, so the, the conceit of this movie, the, the end of this movie, is that Hawthorne created this bust using his witchcraft towards the end of the, his life um, to basically... Um, he basically said that by having this, this bust, by having this thing with these, uh, this goo that comes out of it, essentially he can create an army, which would then be able to put down the women who rise against them. And that's like literally what it says. It is like, mm -hmm. these women will threaten our power, so you can use my bust. And through this bust, Hawthorne can possess these young men 
and then these young men would go out and like do his bidding and put down you know the, the women who are being quote-unquote uppity essentially um and it, it's fucked up because like like you're saying like it, it gives the out of hey these guys were possessed that's where this comes from and i think that that's such a weird thing to do to this movie where like no like the, the, these assaults do happen these things are terrible these women are being treated poorly and and to make it that it is a cult makes it awkward because it makes it not this is a societal thing that's been perpetuating and is you know is is the real problem and i like i think because like there's so many elements that i really like like i think the fact that it is a college makes a lot of sense because it is colleges in the past were just a bunch of white dudes who you know mm-hmm. women weren't allowed to attend so it makes sense that this is where the root of this would start from and that a lot of political figures and a lot of the government who makes policy are these white dudes who come from these fraternities like that's a great place for this kind of for this horror story to be rooted in for these for these this evil power to come from but I think it would be a lot more effective if instead of having a goo that we can blame it on and saying, oh, these these guys are all, you know, uh, assholes because they're possessed. Um, it, being like, no, these guys are just fucking assholes. And like <laughs> maybe and like maybe they actually are killing these women because they because um, so in the beginning of this movie, um, Riley and Jean Poots uh, confronts her her abuser. She, she they, they they're doing a performance in the middle of the porn. She's like, you fucking raped me like mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And, you know, and that kind of gets passed around and so originally they women think that that's why they're being hunted that that's why they're trying to that's what that's why people are fucking with them is because they're like oh they're mad that we did that but like that seems realistic like yeah mm-hmm. like that that like that seems like a real thing that would happen that it, you know if if you were like a, a, a how to say it a uh uh a real unfortunate situation where they might get a retaliation for trying to for calling out their abusers and I think that would in, the, in making this movie where instead of it being this black goo that came out and possessed these young men and made them kill people, it was, no, these guys are fucking assholes. And these, they are so entitled. They are so, I didn't do anything wrong. But they start, you know, unfortunately progressing into the killing you know, for, for the sake of the movie. But they start, you know, this whole thing is them just getting their revenge on Riley and them for calling them out for the shit that they did. Like, I think that happens a lot. And like that in a lot of other horror movies, that is a thing where, where it's a revenge story. And that's why they've been killing it. I think that would make sense in this movie. But by making it that, the killers are possessed it, it takes away, like you said it takes away their onus it takes away the fact that these get guys that this does happen without this fucking weird toxic like embodiment of toxic masculinity taking over people that it's it's a societal problem and it's something that is like you know that we brush aside and isn't caused by some black statue we can just break and solve the problem with like mm-hmm. it i think it just it really it, it makes it a fantasy it makes it a, oh look it's a fantasy that we can stop it's like oh you know like this this male aggression and this uh, you know, culture where it's brushed under the rug is not, it's, it's a fantasy because, you know, it's, it's caused by this black goo. It's not a real thing. We can defeat it by doing this. You know, it, it, it makes it less uh, pressing. And like, it, you know, it's, it's like in um, 30 Days of Night where they say like, oh, you know, the vampires come back and they're like, they're like, oh, you guys, you know, we like that you make all these stories about us because it makes the scene less real. They're like, yeah, like Dracula and all these fucking video games about killing vampires serve the vampire's purpose because yeah if you have these horrific dracula out there living in in um you know in fucking uh transylvania killing people out there then you're never gonna think that the guys that you know he's they're actually right around you and they're you know they're part of society they're real so mm-hmm. i think that this this hurts that this this by making it a fantasy by making it mystical it hurts the realism of the situation yeah especially since the original two black christmases weren't really you know anything supernatural about it it was just some guy who was really really good at killing so yeah well he wasn't that great he like in the first one he was just an opportunist like he oh was yeah, just yeah, a, yeah okay like, i guess the, yeah i'll rephrase that yeah. he was just a very lucky killer 
Yeah, like, but in the, yeah, the, in the second one, he was he had jaundice and was crazy powered, and I don't know, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, I um just two things on that front. So before we move on to the next topic, if, if I may, um, yeah, I I I think I would have liked this better. I mean, if they wanted to keep the supernatural aspect, that's fine. Like, I feel it would have worked a lot better if it wasn't so much a you know on off switch of just like oh yeah normal uh like for the character of Landon who is again the only kind of positive or the only the only male in this movie who's viewed in a positive light. Um, even he gets possessed at the very, very end of the movie. And he, you know, falls scum to this curse on that part. Um, so it, it is, you know, it is proposed as an on-off sort of thing. But maybe it was kind of like a layer in terms of, um, I don't know, the only thing coming to mind right now is, I think we've talked about this on the series before. You ever read the Crossed comic book series by uh, Garth Ennis? No. Okay, they're terrible. Don't. Um, but oh. <laughs> it's, it is it is basically Garth Ennis wanted to create a was it Garth Ennis the guy who did the boys right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I always get him confused with something else. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he did was, also did uh, the Walking Dead, right? Uh, no, Walking Dead was uh, crap. Someone else. Oh no! Sorry, I'm thinking of Invincible. Never mind. Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. The Walking Dead guy did Invincible too. Um, yeah. I, I want to say Frank Darabont, but no, that was the showrunner for the first season. Anyway, um, so yeah, for Cross, basically, it's a zombie apocalypse, except instead of you know when you're infected, you don't turn into a brain dead zombie. You actually turn into like a murderous, raping monster. And because it's Garthinus, and Garthinus does not know the word subtle, um, it's a terrible series. But basically. What he's trying to push on that front is it's not so much that the people who are infected are, you know, suddenly turned into this thing. It's more so that their innate evil desires that have been suppressed by society are brought out. And I think that could have worked a little bit better in terms of like, I don't know, maybe some characters, they go ahead and they go undergo the curse, but they're just like, oh, yeah, no, I don't have any innate desire to, you know, kill and, you know, rape women, so I'm still fine. But, you know, the, the, the real scumbag fraternity antagonists would go ahead and, you know, scum to that as well. I think that would have worked a lot better if they wanted to include the supernatural angle, but I also think it would have worked well without anything supernatural. Um, mm. That's actually, I like, I like that concept. I think that also would be a great uh, reaction to kind of uh, what happened in the past few years in terms of, like, the way political tensions have bubbled and the way people have kind of revealed themselves to be... Mm-hmm. A little bit more dicks than they pretend to be before. Yeah, <laughs> I think that actually would have been a really uh, contemporary thing to do. That that's, that's interesting. I, I, I like that a lot more than the brainwash. That it's more of a releasing of inhibitions. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Let, let's just say you know if Mister Rogers fell to this curse and then Jeffrey Epstein fell to this curse, you know how would that affect them differently? That's basically what I'm pushing forward on that yeah. front. Um, and then the other thing too is just kind of like the you know. In my head, I could think of like this imaginary criticism of, you know, primitive screws talk for or podcast. Um, but someone saying like, well, you know, it's a horror movie. It's supposed to be fun. That sort of thing, too. But I, I, I don't feel that's in line with what the movie is trying to push. I mean, the, the movie is obviously trying to be very, very, very political. Um, they try and rope as many, you know, political feminist topics together as much as possible, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm all for these concepts being explored in movies. I, you know, again, we talked about this at the beginning, you know, woke, I think, is a bullshit term that's kind of a catch-all for anything that a conservative person doesn't like. Um, but at the same time, too, I, I, I feel if you're going to push these issues, if you're going to include them in your movie, you have to go all the way with it. 
So there, there, there's room for pulpy, fun movies, and then there's room for, you know, a little bit more politically charged, and the balance was not struck in this movie. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my soapbox on that front. Yeah, well, and I think like, the thing too is like all movies are political. Like especially mm-hmm. the horror, horror movies are are always political. They're they're always a reaction to what's going on during their time. Like they're you know they're always and like, you know like how how they're made, like what's going on in the story, who the villain is, what the characters are talking about, what's happening is always political. Like the first like the first Black Christmas, that movie came out right when abortion became legal. That was when the Crazy yeah. Wood was first happening. So that was that was a big thing. So the fact that um, what is her name um. Was it Jess? I can't. I uh, can't remember what her name was. Um, and the original, but, you know, yeah. Was it? Oh, Jess. Yeah, it is Jess. Yeah. That, mm, the fact yeah. that Jess went to her boyfriend at the time um, and was like, "Hey, I'm pregnant and I'm gonna have an abortion," and he was like, "Oh, we didn't decide." Then no, fuck you. I'm. This is my decision. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like that was awesome. That was a big. That was a big thing, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I think a part of what I think came in, like and, and again I. I there are some interviews in the, uh, coming out around this movie with the, with the staff where they talk about how this movie is a new step toward in, in kind of being political and that this is the new thing. And I think, like, like you mentioned, like, I don't want to say tone deaf because, you know, clearly I'm sure they know. I think it's probably just, you know, when you're giving an interview, it's hard. You want to use, you want, when you're giving an interview, you want to use bug, buzzwords. You want to give, you know, little punch things that, you know, anybody watching can understand and that, you know, you want to sell the movie. So I think that, you know, they probably understood that this wasn't the case, that it's just what they were saying. But, you know, they, they talked about how this was like a new thing. And I think that that's, it's just, it's hard when they say that because I think this, the genre has always been political in different ways. Like, you know, like Day the Earth Stood Still was all about like, you know, like foreign invasion and like, you know, like in that the, um, them was about like nuclear radiation creating like genetic modified ants and stuff. And like Strangers is about home invasion and how that was a big fear during the time. Like it's always Okay, so real quick, real political. quick, just real quick anecdote as you're listing them off right here because I've been dying to talk about this too. I think yeah. one of my favorite moments on this podcast is we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Friday's Revenge and I brought in my brother who is gay um, on the podcast and he started talking about how a lot of people, you know, when Freddy's Revenge came out during the 80s, you know, it was the AIDS epidemic, you know, homosexuals were very, very ostracized at that point because they thought, ooh, Ooh, it might be contagious. You know, we might share needles or get blood on me or something like that. Um, but a lot of um, a lot of the gay community found solace in Freddy because of that movie. Because so many people were thinking of them as monsters. They were just like, okay, well, if you're going to consider me the monster, you know, I'm going to identify with Freddy Krueger. Yeah, <laughs> you die, you teens, that sort of thing. And that that was just something I, I really, really liked that conversation because it was something I did not think about, again, as a straight white male. That was not something that has ever crossed my path. And, you know, he's my brother. I've grown up with him and I'm very close to him. So that was, again, yeah, these movies are political. Um, and that's great. That's fantastic. Anyway, continue. Yeah, no, that, that's all I got. <laughs> okay, cool. That was the end of my thing. But actually, as you mentioned that, and again, this is, I, I like this conversation because, again, like, as you're saying, we don't have the context for this movie that somebody, you know, that like there's always that, that term, you know, it's not made for you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that is absolutely true, and I think sometimes it's used as a defense against something that, when it when you know there could be just criticism. But at the same time, I could actually again, this is me empathizing to a degree that like, with, with an imaginary person or theorizing something that isn't true. But maybe to a degree, for somebody who could have gone through something like this, maybe at times the the villains to you, you know, or the people who did something to you could seem like a villain, could seem like, you know. Uh, like a dark organization, it could feel like you know. I, I know we talk about uh, kind of how police are a brotherhood where they cover for each other. Maybe it seems like at times that 
fraternities are a cult of people who are brainwashed and, uh, you know, are a monolith or, you know, are capable of, you know, getting away with anything. So maybe, maybe you know, I, I, maybe that's what this movie is. Maybe this movie is that idea that we don't understand that, we, you know, maybe at times, or, you know, maybe this could be somebody's perspective of what what their abusers look like, it, like like this group of, of men, you know. And this is a real thing where people, you know, we know this happens. We know with the Brock Turner situation that, like, people try to sweep that shit under the rug and we're just like, whatever. And the fact that it, it's fucking insane that he only got six months and he only served half of it could have good behavior after, like, literally raping a woman. Like, fucking insane. Yeah. The fact that yeah. that happens is insane. So I could definitely see that being seeming like some myth, mythical thing. And, and again, I think that is why this movie kind of works. And again, not works in the sense that it's, it's good, but in the sense that the backing for it, I think it's really strong because I think this idea of an old of an old establishment that is perpetuating and allowing this to happen is real and it was a great concept and it just really kind of stumbled on, on the execution because I think like I, the elements behind this are, are so good um, because I think historically and it really does work. But I think that so I, I, I just want to say like, I think that like like you mentioned with, with your brother, that there could definitely be a, a side of this we're not seeing this works perfectly you know this this is this makes somebody feel seen so that that's great mm-hmm. if that if that is the case this makes somebody feel seen and makes more power and... to you yeah but yeah i just i feel and just again from public perception from both you and i you know we tried our best to kind of read female perspectives on this movie and uh they were they were pretty scathing across the board in terms of what i found at the very least so yeah yeah there, there's better yeah. ones out there on that front um and I, I i i'm always i mean this conversation has kind of reminded me of the south park of all things episode um where Stan is like trying to emphasize with Tolkien, who's the black character. Yes, that is a joke within the show. Um, but basically, he's trying to emphasize with Tolkien and be like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm trying to understand what it's like to be black, even though I'm a white kid. And, you know, oh, I'm trying to do this to, you know, emphasize with you. And then finally, at the end of the episode, he's just like, I finally get it. I'm never going to understand because I, I, I'm not black. I'm never going to understand it. I can, you know, find elements and I can emphasize you up to a certain extent, but I can't, I, I will never be able to fully understand. And then Toka's just like, yeah, now you get it. Like that, <laughs> that's actually something I think of a lot in terms of, yeah, I try my best to be respectful and understand other people's perspective, but eventually it gets to a point where I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, I, I just, I don't have the life experience. I am never going to be able to understand on a level of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that front right there. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to, that... go ahead. Sorry. Was it, no, I was, you go I was ahead. To, to, to go off what you were just saying, like, like my moan for that was like, you, you know, um, you know that, uh, you know, you know that. Scene, have you seen Captain Marvel? Uh, yes. You you know that scene in um where where she's like walking down the street and the, and some guy. No, she's at she's at like a. I think she's maybe she's blockbuster. She's got a motorcycle. T- tells her to smile. Something like yeah. that. So I mean, after I saw that scene, I was like, oh, that's fucking dumb. Because I was like, who would say that? Like who? Who would actually mm-hmm. like in my mind? Like where you know the way and where and my my kind of moment of uh, realization was that like you know I was raised you know by, in Vermont by my parents with two with two older sisters and you know I I wasn't raised in a situation where that would ever be something that could ever possibly come into my mind to say to somebody because that's just so fucking insane to tell somebody that they should be smiling or you know that they should be feeling a certain way fucking absolutely insane. But like my, my kind of moment of realization, like when I was thinking about that movie one day, I was like, oh, but like it happens so it's it's in so many different movies. It's it's such a trope it happens all of, the time. Yeah. Of, of like of like assholes being assholes to women that it has to be something that's occurring because it's a real thing. And so if, like like you mentioned, like you know, like I had never lived that experience. That's never happened to me. And I you know, I questioned it when I saw it, because like that sounds fucking dumb. 
But then because it's so pervasive in media, it must be happening. And the idea that people like just because things seem incomprehensible to me that people would never say these things doesn't mean that they don't happen. Yeah. I mean, before I watched this movie, yeah, before I watched this movie, uh, you know, I thought that uh, women shared menstrual products all the time. Like they just, it, it was like the sisterhood of the traveling diva cup where they just kind of switched back and forth. But, you okay. know, after talking with my partner and my female friends, I realized that is not something that happens. Um, that is a joke. I just want to clarify. <laughs> I had never <laughs> thought that, but I, I, I can see how people might think that um, on that front. So, yes. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Do, do you mind if you want to speak real quick? Just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. My partner just walked into the room. Okay. Here's a real question, real, real simple. Okay. Do women share diva cups? You don't share makeup. You don't share earrings. You absolutely do not share diva cups. Do not do that. Thank you. I love you. Bye. <laughs> anyway, I just want to get that perspective in there. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yeah, that is, yeah. Um, gosh, we've been all over. We, I feel like we barely talked about this movie. Honestly. I know. I was going to say, we probably should like actually talking about it because there actually were some elements that I thought were okay. All right. Let's talk about that. Let, you, let, let's talk about that. I, I, I'll start off on that one because uh, I got yeah. a really quick one. I think the opening kill was all right. I, 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 I yeah. think, you know, it started out subtly enough in terms of, you know, man walking behind you on the streets. I... I, I feel it was fine um, on that front. The only thing is, again, the, the whole vibrator thing, which is like, oh, I got you a gift as a vibrator. Great. Sex positive is awesome. But just coming on in from just like, okay, we're talking about vibrators. Now, five minutes later, we're talking about sharing diva cups. It was just, again, it felt very, a whole bunch of white men got together and were just like, oh, you know, what do women talk about? Diva cups and vibrators. Sweet. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt to me. Uh, but I did like the opening scene. I especially like the title where she's being dragged across the snow. The snow looked fake or shit, but I think that was framed very well. Anyway, what did you like about this movie? Yeah, I, I thought the opening scene was good, too. I thought it I, I, it was, it, I don't know. It, it was the, the surprise of the guy opening the door was kind of weird for me. Uh, a, a, yeah. a girl runs runs to a house and, and, and a guy comes out. But I guess when we realized later that, that it theoretically is a group of men, um, made it kind of make sense. Like maybe one of them's hanging out in the house. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I thought the opening the was good. It was tense. I thought, like, I I think the rest of the kills I never really felt tense during. But I thought the first one, like you know, obviously she's gonna she was gonna die. Um, but and I, but I thought you know it, it was a tense little scene. Um, you know, like, like the, the first the, I think the first kills of all these movies are pretty are pretty good. All three of them. Um, again, I, I think I think Imogen, uh, sorry, Imogen, I keep calling her Imogen. Imogen <laughs> Poots was great in this movie. I really liked her. Um, and, and one thing that I want to say that I appreciate about the movie, which I didn't appreciate actually until listening to one of the podcasts, because they kind of brought this up and I didn't even think about it. Again, this goes out to the Final Girls podcast. Um, they mentioned that um, Chris, so Chris in the movie is the, is the character who is um, who is, is very much an activist. Um, very, you know, it's very much, she is trying to get Professor or Carrie Elwes um, fired because he is preaching dumb shit. She's the one who got um, the, the statue of the founder moved off of um, a prominent role place on the campus because, again, he was he owned slaves. She's like, that's fucking terrible. Great. Um, but she, again, that's basically her character. And I thought that was kind of bad writing. Um, but one of the things they brought up is that they actually took her as satire, that she was supposed to be uh, kind of not, not the armchair activist, but that friend who is more or less embodied by that. Like, like, that, like she was pushed to a degree that like she was written to a degree that like it was supposed to be maybe like intentionally like too much. The like, preachy, like the, the preachy friends. Yeah, the one who's yeah. just like, hey, you want to go to that pizza place? Oh no, ten years ago the owner was caught stealing tips or some shit like that. Or and maybe that's too extreme an example, but you get what I'm saying. 
Yeah, no, like, mm-hmm. but, like, and, and I thought that was interesting because like, I didn't, I didn't consider it at all. I, I was just like, wow, that's, that's kind of poorly written. But I like that they said that because I didn't think about it, but it, it makes sense. Like, you know, if, if, like, if what they're trying to do is comment on, on this, you know, on, on what's going on, like having this character who is like, you know, intentionally a little bit more abrasive. And like, and again, I think that that's not a bad thing because like, you know, when shit's going down, when there's a fire, you want to scream about it. So great. Um, but I think that, that, that then in the way that it kind of recontextualized that scene later for me, um, where uh, Chris ended up sharing that video of um, Riley or Imogene Poots uh, calling out her abuser, uh, she shares on the internet and Riley's like, what the fuck? Like that's, that was, that was my, mm-hmm. that that's me. You're putting it on the internet. And Chris is like, well, you weren't fucking doing anything. You need to get your shit, you know, like, come on, don't you want this? Isn't this great? And Riley, Riley's like, no, I just want to survive. I just want to live like you, Jesus Christ. Um, and, and I thought that was an, like, a nice kind of clashing the ideals. And like, I think that, I think that was a very productive scene because we have that, we have um, kind of the, the different perspectives on how to address this, mm-hmm. um, which I liked. I thought that was a very productive scene. And I think, and having her be intentionally written as like, having that kind of light shed that she could have intentionally been written as almost a satire, as an extreme to then be balanced out or to be um, kind of checked in with on Riley. Uh, you know, to, to, to encourage that conversation, I thought was really good. Uh, so I, I actually, I really on the second watch, I really appreciate that with that context in mind. Um, yeah, it's just a shame that it was just like that kind of message was taken down later on. Like, I love the conflict, but just the whole, at the very end, it was just like, okay, yeah, no, the, the friend was right all along. Riley shouldn't, uh, you know... Um, I don't want to say hide from her trauma, but process trauma in a different way. No, it's be a badass and man up and blah, 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 blah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was weird, but, um, but kind of, you know, I, I know another compliment to it, which then I'll follow up with a, uh, a compliment, which I'll follow up with, unfortunately, criticism, which I think results from this compliment. Um, I really liked the scene, the, the fake out of, um, so at one point, um, toward, towards the end of the film, the, the, the um, the sorority sisters are being, um, attacked by, by the men in the masks. Um, and they call the police. Um, Marty calls the police. Cause I always kind of like, in terms of the characters, I kind of took Marty as like the, the slightly more mature one, the kind of more responsible one of them. Um, they, they kind of hint at the, they, they talk at the beginning about how Riley is, you know, a, more of a senior member. Um, but I think that, uh, we kind of get the impression that Marty maybe helped kind of, you know, after, after what happened to Riley, she was there, she kind of took care of her and, you know, is, is more of much like a, the and there's a den not a den mother a house mother in the past in the previous two movies and i think she kind of occupied that role in this one mm-hmm. um but um anyway uh she calls the police and we see the police arriving um and they go arrive they kick, up, they kick down the door and when they kick down the door um it's this and you think it's going to be while they're struggling on the ground with these men but it turns out it's actually a different sorority and i thought that was a really good fake out and it was it kind of reminded me of the movie Call it back to the invitation of 2015, which I mentioned earlier, which is, um, you know, where it, it, you think this this situation's just going on in this house. Uh, there's this murder attempt going on in this house, but then they reveal at the end it's happening all over the, the, the town where they are, which is awesome. And it's the same idea where you didn't know, we didn't know at that point that it was happening all over the campus. We thought it was just happening to these these women because of what happened, you know, again at the show, but it's revealing that no, this is like happening throughout the campus. Um, and I, I thought that was a good fake out. It was, it was, it was you know, cool, but. To, to kind of turn that over to the unfortunate thing that happened later um, was that, like, at the end of the movie, um, when Chris shows up to save Riley, um, they burst open the doors and all these women, um, and they're, they're the other sorority, uh, the other women, the other sorority, but we never met any of them. So it's kind of awkward when Chris kicks down the door and is like, we're here, and you don't know who any of the people behind her are, uh, which I think was <laughs> which, which was the lost opportunity. And, and I don't know, I, I've again, from what I've kind of heard a little bit, this movie may have been lost like a half an hour or so of content. This movie could use an extended cut. Yeah, no, it, 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 I wouldn't even say an extended cut. I would just say like another pass. Like obviously this movie mm. was rushed. 
I could see the elements in terms of what they were trying to do. I appreciate what they were trying to do. I just, I feel it was done a lot better than other movies. Like, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to bring this up again because this movie does have a massive, massive, it gives me a massive newfound appreciation for Brendan on Shira Die because that was a movie I feel that, you know, incorporated elements of feminism and was feminism positive without being, for lack of a better word, ham-fisted about it. Like, I, I, I still remember that one throwaway line of just like, yeah, you know, we can enjoy ourselves and sleep around, but we have to be, you know, safe about it. And it was just, it was so quick and it was just like so positive and, I just, yeah, it made me appreciate that movie script a lot more, honestly, than this movie. It felt a lot more natural there. Mm. Yeah, I, I was the, the kind of teamwork at the end element of that movie. Like, yeah, again, that too. The teamwork, the teamwork at the end of the movie was fucking dumb. Like, like it was dumb for the sake of, you know, they, they had a, a It was fight. dumb, but they knew it was dumb, so yeah. it, it worked a lot better. Yeah, but, but I mean, uh-huh. it was dumb, but like I felt the camaraderie of those characters so much. Um, yeah. And, and actually, actually, I found a shame as well is because when I watched some of the... Um, uh, the interviews with um, Imogene Poots, she's talking about how she really felt like her and the other cast members got to know each other. Like, you know, she mentioned, like, she talks about how, like, you know, as long as they formed their own little sorority, like, they got to know each other and they felt really good. And, like, you know, like they're really good friends um, and they really, like, you know, jive all together. But I, I feel like we really don't see that in the movie very often. I feel like we don't get to see them being a group or being friends. Um, and, and it doesn't feel like they're the most established relationships. Um, like, I didn't know, I, I couldn't tell, like, who'd been there longer, who was senior. Like, I, I, I guess Marty just because she's kind of responsible. Um, but I, I just, I couldn't really, I don't know, it didn't, it felt like there were these lines that seemed forced casual because of the topics they're talking about. Like, I would talk about that with somebody I only knew for a little while. But I never, it never seemed like they were very cohesive, um, which, again, I think is a, is, a, is a problem, the fact that they shot this movie in, like you said, like six months, or, you know, it was produced in six months. They, I think it was 27 days they filmed it in. So, mm-hmm. and I think they filmed it, I think they, I forget what they said. It may be like production started in June and they they ended up finishing filming by the end of July. So that's crazy. That That's very fast. So Yeah, it, they said know, like a lot of scenes, that. a lot of scenes were ad-libbed apparently. Um, so, but that kind of, yeah. I guess, stems from the unnatural feeling dialogue at a lot of points. And again, and like I feel like, like you, said, I guess, I guess, yeah, a second pass would be helpful in the sense of like give them more time. I think this, I think that's, you know, I think in the end, I think with this movie, you know, regardless of how it turned out, I think that probably their time would have helped this movie a lot. I think it, it was way too rushed, especially for something like this. You know, where I think it, it had something important. It has something important to say, and I think that it had a great basis for that. I think they, they, they the bones, the the pitch for this movie, I think is really strong. Yes. Um, and, I, and again, I keep saying I love the backing. I love I love who the villain is. Like not not how they executed it, but I love the systemic villain that that is presented as the initial villain. I like that a lot. Um, but I think the time it was just all the execution, all the execution in this movie was very very much lacking. And speaking of executions, uh, the deaths in this movie. What do you think about them? I honestly can't remember any of them. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, no, I like, I, I remember like someone getting stabbed or someone getting an arrow through the chest, that sort of thing too. But honestly, if you, you told me, you know, there were none that were particularly memorable, in my opinion. Yeah, well, cause, and and so that, that's what I felt as well. I felt these movies, the movies. So uh, we have uh, the girl who requested TV cup in the beginning. She gets, uh, she gets killed from behind. Uh, she she literally has a guy walk up behind her and choke oh, yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. 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 Pause there for a second. Lights. You yeah, might be probably. going into that. Do you know what that was a homage to? I keep hearing what's a hom- an, an, an a homage to, but I I haven't seen Exorcist three. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen it. I've heard people keep saying that. 
now. Oh, dude, we got, we got to do that sometime. It's, it's actually genuinely really good. Um, yeah, no, um, it is uh, direct, uh, directly inspired by uh, Kill from Exorcist Three. Yes, that is correct. Uh-huh. Well, things because I, I usually like those kind of like like I I I think the really effective horror sometimes is that horror where somebody just walks up and kills somebody because that's realistic. It's not like a crazy jump thing. But mm-hmm. and this movie just didn't work. I mean, I think actually what didn't work for me is the way they zoomed in on it. Yeah, so like basically this, this girl's walking and she walks out and then a guy comes behind her and chokes her with a thing of um of lights which again i i part of like there are scenes in annabelle which i really like because somebody just walks out of nowhere i'm like oh fuck that's creepy which means walks out of nowhere um partly because this guy is wearing like a theater mask and a fucking cloak but also like he walks up to her and as he goes to choke her um with these christmas lights it zooms in and does a little shake and zooms in again and it just looks really bad like it looks really dumb like i I don't i don't i know they do that sometimes in movies to kind of show horror but because all you're doing is zooming in on it you're not seeing anything new from zooming in or just focusing the audience's attention i suppose mm-hmm. it just feels very it, you know it was unnecessary it looked dumb but also we didn't get to see anything and i think that's an- another hit on this movie um and again not hit by saying it's a bad movie i, I don't think it's a great movie but i think <laughs> by, by by that i mean what i think it was not working in its favor is this movie's pg-13 so yeah. all the kills are very clean like the girl gets stabbed we don't see her get stabbed really um there's no it's not blood the girl gets choked we don't really see anything with that um and um there's a there's a character who gets killed upstairs. We don't see what happens to her, and then another character finds her body, and we don't see what happens to her. The person mm-hmm. Chris goes up, finds the body, turns her around. We see the profile of her face, maybe a little hint that something's happening, um, but basically um, nothing actually occurs. Like we, we it cuts her face screaming, and I think that, that that you know for a horror movie like this, especially after how gruesome 2006 was, it's very hard to go back to this movie where we see nothing. And I think, because some movies, you know, even a bad horror movie sometimes is worth it for the kills, and this movie just didn't really allow the kills to happen. Yeah, definitely. Oh, hey, dog. Um, no, um, on that front, uh, in doing my research, uh, so apparently, yes, the director did um, seek a PG-13 rating just because, well, not just because, but her intention was she wanted to kind of provide this as kind of a gateway into horror movies for young women out there because, again, you know, she wanted to push positive feminism in this movie and, you know, bring up these issues and reach to a wider audience on that front. Um, But she was saying, you know, after we submitted it, if, um, you know, it gets an R, it gets an R, it's not going to be the end of the world. But it it was deliberately planned for a PG-13 rating. Oh, wait, so so it wasn't edited down? No. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. That's unfortunate. Okay, that's no. Well, I, I, I was really hoping that that it, that it was it was that there, there's an extended a, there's cut a, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was hoping we we, we you know because Black Black Christmas had the X rated edition. I was hoping we get that at some yeah, point. Maybe I don't know. Oh. But uh, yeah, no. That's 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 what I heard in terms of it was intentionally designed to be PG thirteen because they just wanted to reach a wider audience, especially a younger audience. So, yep. Oh, yep. Um, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was excited <laughs> for that. Damn. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, um, I mean, the acting wasn't bad. Like, I, I feel all the actresses did a decent job. I mean, they weren't amazing, but they weren't bad either. Um, I mean, there definitely were some scenes where it was just kind of like, it was clearly ad-libbed or they, they were kind of awkward and they're wordy and that sort of thing too. But across the board, it wasn't like noticeably awful. Yeah, well, and it's hard, too, because I feel like a lot of the dialogue in this movie wasn't helping. Like, Yeah, they did the best with what they had. <laughs> yeah, like, like a, lot of, a lot of it, like, wasn't subtle or wasn't, 
like you know especially from from the villains from the male cast it was very much like um i don't know very blunt and, and trying to get and try to make you know like you said trying to make these people seem bad um and i would have preferred a little subtlety to that because i think that they're you know the the there was blatant gaslighting, but I would have liked to see some like, subtle gaslighting, like you know, of like that kind of like, oh, you know, this isn't that big of a deal, you know, those kind of like that, that kind of downplaying of what their concerns as opposed to people saying, no, you're you, no, it's wrong, like I don't know, mm-hmm. um, and I think it it made all those scenes seem very like chewing up the scenery. Like I could see Bruce Campbell giving those lines, you know, and like mm-hmm. in that, that Ashford <laughs> Evil Dead show, I, I could see that happening, um, and like which is funny and like oh, Bruce Campbell does it because he's a he's a ham, and you know he's talking shit you're not supposed to like him like ash williams is not a is not really a likable guy he's a he's 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 more or less a piece of shit um (laughs) let's be very clear ash williams is not is not a good is not a good dude so just real quick uh so real quick when i when i went to the evil dead musical my partner who has never seen anything evil dead before i basically told her i was just like yeah this is a movie where basically no one here is like the the musical nobody in the musical is likable and she's like oh okay i gotcha so anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just felt weird to see, like you know, I think I think the the, the writing for this kind of really made that hard. Uh, yeah, in that. and like you're saying, like, and I think you know, the, all the actors did their did their roles did did well. Um, and I'm trying to think of, I don't think, yeah, there were like other like other than the hand-fisted writing, I don't I don't think there's anybody who seemed bad, um, except maybe maybe the I don't know um, the killers. They just kind of were weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but. definitely. I'm, you bring up Bruce Campbell, and I'm just I'm picturing a movie where they replace um, Carrie Ells with Bruce Campbell, and I don't know if that would make the movie better or worse. I could actually see it making it better because I think Carrie Ells, like again, not not. I think that okay. Let me rephrase this. I don't think that Bruce Campbell would make it better, but I think. Um, because I think that you know he was given Carrie Ellis was given direction to play the character the way he did. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but I think having it be more of a kind of smug old man who's like, oh, this is kind of how things are, I think would be a lot more realistic and a lot more kind of gross. And like, oh, this is like, while Carrie Ellis kind of just gave platitudes, I don't know. He just he just kind of gave platitudes, I felt like. And it didn't, mm-hmm. like, obviously he cared to believe what he was saying, but it just kind of, it felt like a very academic perspective. And I think kind of having the, the killer be somebody who, I don't know, is a little bit more sleazy, I think would have been... Uh, would have fit better in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I would have, I don't know, maybe that would have been interesting, but that's also, I don't know. I would watch it definitely. Like, but I, I love Bruce Campbell. I love the characters he plays, not as char- people, but as characters. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> have you seen uh, uh, Carrie Ellis in The Christmas Castle or Castle for Christmas? Uh, no, I have not. He is a Scottish lord who owns a castle, and I think this, uh, this woman um, mo- goes there to buy it and help restore it, but it's his family's castle. And, you know, they fall in love. You know, pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good Hallmark movie for anybody who's looking for another uh, Carrie Ellis Christmas movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. You Uh, still have that Hallmark uh, movie subscriptions, right? You're like one of the 12 people who subscribe to uh, the streaming service. We we, we support them independently, actually. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We we, we get credit in every movie. Uh, Hey, listen, we all have to have hobbies, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I guess, you know, in... I, I mean, maybe that's why the writing doesn't seem that bad to me in this movie is because I'm like, you know, I've, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of recommendations, in terms of if you are looking for a feminist horror movie, um, yeah, Jennifer's Body, I still think, is still the best one I've seen. Um, very, very well-written scripts. Um, 
Cheer, Brendan on Cheer or Die, fantastic. Um, well, that, I wouldn't say fantastic, but it, it definitely <laughs> fantastic. I, it's a top I, 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 I have I have a newfound appreciation for it after watching this movie and just seeing how bad it could be. Um, but yeah, I would I would recommend you know watching other movies like that before watching or, this one or even Final Girls. Like I think I always, yeah, I Final, love Girls, Final is great. Girls. Mm-hmm. I think like I, I, that like that that to me that I, I love that movie. I think that's a great movie. You're talking again, talking about trauma and loss. You know, different types, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I always found that, and I, and I don't know if that was. Um, Female director to written as, as well, um, but I, I believe the Babadook was. Um, I there's a bunch of them. Uh, I meant to make, get a list of other movies, um, but I, I didn't forgot to. <laughs> yeah. um, but and again, I, I I always want us like I don't want us to be that negative on this. Like I, you know, you and I nitpick a lot. Um, I think again, I think that's that's kind of what we you know like I I, I nitpick just because the way my mind works. I, if there's a slight issue. I, know, I, I get hung up on it but that usually doesn't, doesn't stop me from enjoying the movie and again this movie isn't terrible and that, that's i think that's something that i want to kind of say this movie isn't shit it's not like and i think that's like where a lot of like the, the people who came out against this movie went to is they went to this movie's crap this movie's shit i don't think it's shit i don't think it's that great it's like you know and i think if it does you know some people like it great and i think you know the fact that people made the movie they're obviously people people behind this were passionate about it and that's awesome and i think that mm-hmm. you know it was unfortunately rushed it was unfortunately there's a time constraint. It was not given a very big budget. I think the budget was like $5 million. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things working against this movie. Um, but, you know, it's not... I, I don't want to come across as saying this movie was terrible. Because it wasn't. Uh, there's a lot worse movies out there. We've reviewed a lot mo- worse movies. I'd probably rather watch this than watch Avatar 2 again. Um, <laughs> because it, it was short and at least was doing something. Like, sit... I would always rather have a movie like this that's trying that's trying to say something that is doing something that's making a point as opposed to Avatar two where literally I don't nothing fucking changed that movie is longer than three hours and nothing fucking happened like <laughs> I, I'd always I'd rather watch this I would, this movie is much better than that in my opinion <laughs> um, so I, I don't you know I, I think we've we've been negative and we've been talking about you know kind of criticizing some of the politics which again we're not necessarily the ones to do that but like. I'm not saying this movie is terrible. I think that uh, Eugene Poots and the director and the writer were definitely doing something, and I and appreciate that. Um, it just, you know, did, for me, it didn't land. Yep. Uh, yeah, I 100% would agree with that. I appreciated what they were trying to go for. I think the execution left a lot to be desired, though. Um, I, I would be harder on this movie than I think you are. Like, I would genuinely call this a pretty bad... I, I, I would call this a terrible movie. Um, but... I, you know, it got us. It got us talking for an hour and a half on feminism and horror movies. So you know, that's maybe true. That was and, the intention. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thing is, what I would really like to see, and what I kept trying to search for, because like I, you know, I I studied film in college, and I in my favorite part of it, I didn't care about production and anything like that. I always liked the like kind of tying film to you know film theory and, and philosophy, you know, kind of like essentially literature. And I really wanted to find articles on this in terms of the, like the the polit- you know the politics of this movie and how the modern update kind of reflects society and what's going on. And there hasn't really been anything written on it. There, there's been a couple articles like on the verge or you know like like, like uh, what do you like I guess they're called the articles news articles. What do you what do you call mini articles like that are written by like tablet blog posts. Yeah, 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 that's. I feel bad. Yeah, they're basically blog posts. Um, <laughs> and I would love to see an academic thing, kind of discussing the three movies and how they, um, you know, how, how they reflect the times that they're written in. And you know, because I, you know, I again, I'm I'm not that well read on on the subject. I I really enjoy kind of listening to academic 
discussion. You know, I, I, love, I love hearing different opinions about it. So I, I would love to see this movie examined. And, you know, I'm sure there are things that, again, I'm missing and I'd love to learn more about them. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I I think this movie is important in the sense that it I don't know of many movies like this one that do this. Like, you know, obviously we should mention that there are a lot of feminist horror movies out there. And there are a lot of horror movies that talk about rape in, in various ways and in various, um, you know, uh, what's what's the word where you do something but it's not the real thing? Not analogy. Uh, parallels, Metaphor. you know, parallels rape or, or, or you know, or, or being a, a, a rape survivor, um, you know, in different ways and approaching it in different ways. And I don't, there are many that are this, you know, and I know that we, we kind of criticize it for this bluntness to a degree, but I think at the same time, it's, I think it's one of the movies that are this blunt about it. Um, you know, and I think that, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it just needs mm-hmm. to be executed better. Um, so I think that, you know, and as, as a, if we look at it as a horror and the progression of horror movies over time as reflections of society and what's going on in our, you know, in, in the, in our society through that timeline, this movie will be kind of a beacon of like, Hey, during this timeline, like, you know, in 2016, 2018, like, and, you know, obviously I'm there, the Brock Turner cases and those are, um, the ones that come to mind because they're so highly publicized, but this is just happening all the, all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And this was a period of time, like, you know, around the Me Too movement and stuff, where as society, we're bring, you know, it was coming to the surface and people were, you know, speaking out about it. I think that that's important. Like, you know, it, it, it stands as that, like a milestone of that in, in the horror genre to a degree. I um, mean, you know, again, mm-hmm. not, not some of these elements weren't present before, but this movie is very blatant about it. Um, just like how Black Christmas 2000, not 2000, sorry, 1974 was very you know, very blatant about a discussion of abortion. Um, so I think that is, you know, that that is commendable. And I think that is, that, that will be, that might be its, its history. It might be, you know, its history might be being a little bit controversial for that reason. But I think at the same time, like, like you know, like I mentioned earlier with kind of Chris's character, when shit's going down and nobody's really talking, you know, there's not, you know, screaming about the fire is appropriate when the fire is burning down the house. So I think that's, you know, to a degree, mm-hmm. I think that this movie has, you know, it, it, it makes sense the way for what it is. And I think it's historical value, you know, kind of looking back at things while even a while bad movie, the politics behind it, I think, you know, I appreciate that it, you know, broadcasted them essentially, I guess. I don't know. Definitely. And I think that's a good note to close out on. Um, there, there's one more thing I just kind of want to bring up on that front is, um, you know, how, how is, how was, how was your depiction with, um, should I say, uh, predators in this movie? Like a predators, predator, or no, no. Pred- like pred- the, I mean, this movie had several predators. How was how was your predator opinion on this movie, Andrew? I forget you set me up. For, I forget you set me up for something. <laughs> I was trying to I, do our predator and alien watch. God damn it! Uh, I maybe that was that. a bad I joke. Mentioned, I mentioned James Cameron. Oh, like I mean, I was going to say this is uh, the worst use of black goo I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't make a trick at one point. I'm like, oh, is it because um, back when um. That movie Life came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, maybe it's secretly a prequel to Venom." I'm like, is this a secretly uh-huh. a prequel to Venom with the, the black goo, <laughs> or is this secretly the result of Prometheus with the black goo? Um, but uh, you know, and my big thing onto this was that it's kind of a shame that the new Alien movie, that none of the Alien movies have been directed or written by women, because it is a series that is known for having female leads. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, definitely. What is. the fuck? I feel like like, like I, I love Fetty Alvarez. I'm really happy that uh, he's. Uh, writing um that he's uh doing the next alien movie but i mean i, I feel like a, a, a series that is synonymous that is known for having a strong female character and always having strong female characters should maybe at one point there was a woman 
I just, I, I, I just, I, I was thinking about that earlier. I was thinking about strong female characters. I always go to Alien. I'm like, well, Ripley's written as a man, so that's interesting. But also, why is there no? Why is the series which everyone always that which we always, you know, I feel like not as a society, but a lot of people know, you know, Alien as the strong female characters that it's, you know, it's not written by. That that needs to happen. Come on, that, that's my that's my vote for the next Alien movie. Um, anyway. <laughs> No, this has been a good episode. Been a very, very, very long episode. We try, we generally try and stick to an hour, but uh, I think we just had a lot to say on this one. So, uh, thank you for sticking with us. We, we really, really do appreciate it. We appreciate any feedbacks you might have, and we're uh, the comments. You know, we're active on Facebook and Instagram. We both monitor it uh, together. So, please let us know if you know anything on that front. Um, we'll try and get a list of like you know just kind of other takes on this film, and we'll include that in the social media post when this does eventually go live as well. Um, you know, based on what we can find. But uh, yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah, so uh, number one thing, just, you know, the, the, the PSA for today is don't share Diva Cups. Just don't. Just just don't do not do it. Don't do it. Well, you know, unless you do, that's a normal thing that we don't know. No, about, you know? Maybe, no, maybe. no. Don't, 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 okay. don't, don't. Right. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, no. <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you so much for listening once again. This uh, theme song was um, Horror Movie Story. That's by the band uh, Teddy's Atlas. You can get that off the album Show in the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Um, don't know if we're going to do a final episode for 2022. So if this is the last episode, uh, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. We've been doing this for about four years now. Uh, holy crap. Insane. And um, yeah, no, it's it, it's a great way for Andrew and I to connect because <laughs> we haven't seen each other in a long time and we live in different states. So uh, yeah, yeah, appreciate uh, supporting us and uh, listening and just sending all the messages and everything like that. We do read everything you sent to us. Uh, so thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening and stay groovy. Bye. Bye.